Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bramos, John Rojas. Hope everyone is staying safe as they're listening to this podcast. We're recording it uh morning of snowmageddon so we hope you are somewhere safe enjoying listening to this presentation tom, uh, tom, tom, this snowmageddon but go ahead you haven't even introduced yes. it, so i'm already killing you but yes it's on its <laughs> way as we record this so bear down everyone concagaf champions league Ugh, where to begin so many storylines for new york city coming into this one boys um you know, we saw the lineup come out, uh, you know, interesting formation. Uh, we, we knew kind of the last couple of days that ring would not be available parks off the bench due to some back injuries as we, or uh, some minor back issues as we found out. Uh, this was, uh, again, it's just so many, I'm trying to think where to start with this one. Um, this New York city, if you, from the New York city perspective, you had to like their energy that they came out with. And that's always a question. This is a team that had to go back to a place where their regular season uh, and their postseason, well, their postseason ended just a couple of weeks ago in that bizarre fashion down in Orlando. So what would the energy be like? Would they be up for it? And it really was a, a positive energy, especially the first 30 minutes. And they trailed one nothing at the half. Uh, but time and time again, uh, they and they had tons of opportunities in this match to – to try and level or get an early goal. But once again, the finishing and the final third really lacked. Uh, and, and look, when you play really good teams and Tigris is a really good team. And we talked about this last night in the post game, your weaknesses get magnified 10 times. And, and we saw it last night. Uh, th- this team could not finish in the final third. They got exposed defensively. Quinones was a superstar out on the wing uh, and they were clinical in their finishing Tigers didn't have a million chances. New York City, Glenn will take us through the stats, really led in majority of the, the categories that you would want to lead in uh, looking at a sheet. But, man, Tigers was just clinical in terms of their finishing. So uh, a lot to digest. Uh, New York City 2020 season officially over now, Glenn. But uh, this one, um, competitive early, but Tigres just clearly the, the better team last night. Yeah, and I, I had a – I put a note down watching the game in the first half and, and knowing that – uh, they flew in the morning of the game. They were down uh, the depth because of COVID, and their number one keeper wasn't in, although I, I don't think that really had uh, uh, much impact on the game. I don't think so. Uh, that uh, Could they keep that energy up? Because they they were pressing effectively. They were getting numbers around the ball. They were creating turnovers in spots on the field where they could counter and maybe make something happen. But that was the issue, is that once it got down close to the goal, uh, there was, uh, yeah, and that's that's the comparison uh, that I would make initially of these two teams last night. Is one uh, the finishing was really extraordinary, and uh, the other uh, was uh, mystifying, or maybe not, because finishing has not been the uh, at the forefront of. Uh, how you would classify, uh, you know, or great finishing uh, classify this team this year, New York City FC in 2021, and I would just. I, it, it brought to mind and uh, uh, hello, everybody, by the way, it seems like we just uh, I just uh, I'm just retweeting John uh, Rojas's uh, tweet saying I never went to bed. So I do, I'm in the same spot and uh, Tom is as well. Roberto is, too. So, you know, we just lean back, got a couple of Z's. And uh, and thanks to everyone who's listening here who joined us on NYCFC postgame live and pregame live. Uh, and and, and uh, thanks to you, Roberto and Tom. 
and Ariel Hudis for uh, for making that happen. So I coached an NCAA game, Rutgers against Virginia, uh, and we were the decided underdogs. We scored in the opening 10 minutes to go up one nils, the uh, Sweet 16, I think. And Virginia ended up winning the game 6-1. Shots on the day were 10-9 in their favor. The, I've never, and I, all, what I remember riding the bus back home or whenever the heck we went, I can't remember, uh, it, talking to my assistants about the power and the accuracy of their finishes was the difference in the teams. So it, it put us into this next category of what we need to do. And if uh, ever there were uh, a need for New York City FC, you've got the recovery of Eber to look forward to, but uh, it is, they've got to gather some finishers. They need to spend a lot of money on one or two guys that can put the ball back in the net consistently, period. Along with a guy to replace Maxi Morales someday, maybe even next year. All right, that's my initial thought. Who's up next? Hi, everybody. Good morning. Um, it uh, doesn't uh, seem any different last night or this morning from what it did last night. The, you I know, beg your pardon? It doesn't seem any different. I okay. mean, it's like I'm yeah. go- going through this morning, taking a shower, getting ready for this. And without really reading anybody else or just anything, just on my own thoughts, you know, n- nothing really changes about what went on, what the differences are, wh- where New York City needs to improve and where Major League Soccer needs to address the entire situation and if they're going to be able to address the entire situation in COVID. Uh, This is a league that has lost close to $1 billion. And, you know, it's easy for us to say it's not our money. And yes, these are multi-millionaires and billionaires who own all these teams, but uh, they, they don't like losing money. They didn't get to where they're going by losing money all the time either. And yes, it's an investment of love in many cases, and sporting teams are, yes, it's also an investment to make money, and a lot of these guys make money. And they may not make it every, every single day, but when valuations of franchises go up, you know, they, 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 their exit price is much, much better. Having said all that, it, it, it gets harder and harder to look at the CONCACAF Champions League and see the differences that exist between Mexico and the U.S., and we keep on thinking that things are closing and closing and closing, and then you get, you know, Results like uh, we did last night with Montreal winning but losing, um, and then uh, New York City uh, losing by uh, four zip. And what about the game, though? What about the game? Well, let me it's, last it's, night. It's an overall. It's an overall thing. Okay. I don't think because that's that's a that's that's kind of a. That's a rewind old story, Liga MX, MLS. No, but, uh, but it's not it, a rewind old story because it keeps on repeating itself. It's not an old story. It's a current story. It's not old at all. It's current. It happened. I know it's current. All right. Know, so, but so, we, how, but how, much not, do you, how much do you keep going over it? I mean, well, but this for our audience, it's not something that we've gone over every time. That's true. I mean, you and I talk about well, it. We're but, be, by the way, it's a we're going to be ornery without a la- with the lack of sleep, you know, and then, uh, uh, and then and then, of course, I, I always love the uh, being able to see everybody. And, and, and John, he, John's rubbed his eyes about 22 times now, but he's about to uh, leave the podcast. <laughs> He's enjoying the Colombian, yeah, I know. Colombian yes. sun. Well, we're about Quinonias. To get we're going to give John a, a big Quinonias. Oh, my God. Quinonias. John is going to wax poetic about Quinonias, and he should because he was uh, the best player on the field last night. Well, that's but, and, well, and that's part of it, right? I mean, that they have Quinonias and Aguignac and all Fernandez and all these guys that would probably be maybe the six or seven DPs in, in Major League Soccer. And I'm not talking about top level DPs where you're paying them, you know, anywhere between 20, 10 and 20 million dollars. But they're DPs. I mean, salary wise and talent wise, they're DP players. And yes, New York City does have a built in excuse about how, you know, uh, how they want to play this game with as many players as they had out. But at the end of the day, you know, Tigres came in, you know, not playing either, you know, for a while. So. You know, we'll have to go over this and how New York City is going to address their particular holes because they were exposed last night, uh, even more so than we had seen previously. And in the grander picture, how the league is going to address all of this. All right, John Rojas, go. 
So everybody say good morning when they started. By my time, I should say what? Happy lunch, uh, good afternoon, uh, good night, everybody. Whatever it is. What is after, it was nine to, minutes. After nine the snow, minutes. After the snow has settled, um, here are my toes. Uh, I don't want to get into that uh, silly debate of MLS catching or not catching up, uh, Liga MX and, and all that. It's, it's nonsense and silly for me. I want to start talking about the game because I think you need to cut a little bit of slack. And I'm not fan. I'm not really happy with Ronnie Dyla. But when, you know, when the things are there and you can see them, you got to tell the people that listens what you see. And I think the, the, the game plan was a good game plan. And in the mix of what they had available, the way they, uh, not the way they come out, but the way they thought about the game, the way they planned the game was a good way to look at it. These are not excuses. These are facts. Uh, NYCFC was playing with an 11 in which they have the goalkeeper making his full professional debut, not his debut with the team or the league or the tournament, full professional debut. You have your... Um, your, he did uh, play. He did play a, a, a preseason scrimmage against AIK coming in the second half, uh, early a, after he was drafted and signed. I know, but, I know. Uh, but outside of that, yes, yes, as a scrimmage, that that wasn't That's even right. a friendly. That was a scrimmage. Yes, I know. So, so that didn't. I, I don't count that. But I'm just exactly saying. right. So why'd you bring it up? I just think it should be noted that he he has appeared for New York City prior to this, uh, prior to the match. He's it's, appeared for them. In a, in, on, a scrimmi- in a preseason scrimmage against AIK. I mean, what do you he, he took the field? I'm not saying it counted. I called it a pro debut last night. What do you want from me, man? I just think uh, it should be noted. Go ahead, John. Thank you, your honor. So <laughs> <laughs> and, and am I alone? Why am I? <clears throat> I've never, ever gotten worked up about MLS has to catch up to Liga MX. I know we've discussed it. And all. I, why is it such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal? You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to get into let, let, trouble let with some of the things I say because the U.S. men's national team. What is the big? We have to do this. We have to do that. Let's just do it the way we do it and go. You know, right? good. Let John finish. I'm going to let him finish. I'm going to let him finish nine minutes. So this is not a discussion. So soccer in the city no longer is a discussion. It's just a it's like one guy goes the next guy goes the next guy goes. Tom's ask a question. Tom makes a comment. The next guy. Come on, man. It's a conversation. All right, John, go. (laughs) Thanks again, your honor. (laughs) So, yeah, again, those are facts. I mean, you you have the goalkeeper that is debuted as a professional. You have your creative guy, your number 10, playing as a number six. Alongside him, you have a guy who did not play much during the season. He played, you know, a couple of minutes. I think... You remember you remind me, but I don't think that he was uh, started in two games during the whole year. I don't think so. Was right, Acevedo. Who Acevedo. are you talking about? Right, yeah, yeah Acevedo. Yeah. I think he started. Uh, he started at New England, Probably right? Probably one. Yes, at Gillette. Because I remember, I I may I remember he had to play on that crappy turf his first his you know his pro starting debut. But anyway, didn't he exactly. have one later in the didn't well, he have one later in the season? He might have. He might have. He, he had minutes here and there, but I don't think he was a starter like more than two games. Right now, then you have a guy like Tati Castellanos who works as much as anybody trying to create whatever he can. You know, he's he's getting gold out of rocks. Yeah, but, but you do not never ever during the time that you had control of the game create a clear cut chance. He, the team didn't have a clear cut, a, you know, a, all where have chances. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know what to do with the transitions. You know, they won the uh, ball yeah. in good places. They started transitions. And then a couple of meters in, in, in that phase of the game, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with the ball. There's no presence on the area. The intervals, the spaces between the lines was so big because they were making this effort to go out. And, and but, but going to the starting point the plan was there the plan was there and it worked 
in the sense of they control the game, the tempo of the game was on, on, on their hands, uh, the rival was either confused or apathetic or they didn't, they didn't, you know, went out to kill NYCFC. They could easily find a team that scored on them one or twice before the 30 minutes of the game. It didn't happen. Why? Because NYCFC doesn't have the tools, but it's not a finisher. If you put Tati Castellanos in the box and you have the tools around to create those chances, I bet you that Tati Castellanos will be a top goal scorer. But if he has to be out of the box, throwing himself, pushing defenders, creating, you know, goal out of rocks, you're losing someone in the box who is supposed to be finishing. All right. I'll give you that a bit, but I'll give you that because of the of where the finishes occurred for Tigres. You know, they were in front On the of the goal. Side. Yeah, yeah, but they're in yeah. Front coming of the out of the white, yeah. coming out of the front white area. That's right. So and the one the really, and Tinnerholm got in that one time and drew the ball back. And uh, Medina was, I thought he was a bit spacey on that one. He, I, I think he could have done better just getting to the front post. But yeah. uh, that was now, the one that stands out to me as far as they, they got in deep. They got something out of a, a wide ball. And then Tinnerholm later played uh, one across where Gary Mackay Steven completely muffed it. And, um, you know, that's, uh, but that'll be another topic. <laughs> right, because that's the thing, but the, the personnel, that's the thing, the personnel. That's why I started. Sometimes you got to, you know, cut some slack to the coach because the plan was there. Everything that they could do to create and put the, the team in a position to score was there, but the personnel wasn't good enough. Well, right? And then, yeah. Tom, just one little yeah. thing, to, just yeah. to close out the whole picture because you, don't, you cannot see a team breaking down this guy and that guy in that line. You need to see the whole picture of the team. And you cannot, you cannot lose the one v ones against the line, the way the Matarita lose the ones v ones. And well, in part, in one part, Tom is yeah. Matarita's fault, yes. Yep. But in the second part of that is the plan itself too. So in that sure. regard, the plan needed to figure it out that you have a guy like Quinones that is going to kill you, and you need a, you need a second defender, a second defender. You need someone close to him, and if it's not working, right? You need to make these changes. You need to make the adjustments to make it work. But this guy figured out that he could do whatever he wanted with Matarita. So I do three things during the game. Three. And we're going to win three nothing. And that's what he did. Well, a couple of things. I think this is the first time ever on this show that John is at least not. He's somewhat favorable to Dyla. <laughs> he hasn't killed him because he liked the initial game plan um, to, to piggyback off your your point, John, and, and Glenn, you were you sort of alluded to what my next point was going to be, uh, and we talk about the lack of finishing. The team felt most dangerous once again in the opportunities that Tinnerholm was creating when he got behind the defense. Uh, you know, so that and that's a scary thing when you when it's your right back who is you feel like is probably your biggest threat in terms of creating those opportunities for other guys. And maybe that's partly just because Maxi was so deep and we weren't, you know, he wasn't in his usual spot to create. But well, I don't think I don't necessarily think that's a, you know, shocking or a bad thing that your fullback is getting the getting the width and the service for you. That's kind of the way they're set up. I mean, <clears throat> so it's a theme, I understand man. what you're saying. It's it's like, yeah, he's your right back and he's your most dangerous, uh, you know, uh, creator. But to be honest with you. Fullbacks the way he wants to play are they're playmakers. You so, want to be a playmaker, but he shouldn't be the most dangerous guy in the attack. No, no, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Look at Liverpool. The danger players on Liverpool are the two wingers. They're they're the and you see the numbers and they're there. You know, that's the most assistance and and they are third or in four in the in, in the in the goal category for the team. So because the, the game is going that way, that's where you can find spaces. The problem is that this is a theme for New York City FC. I mean, it's only him. It's only that side. Okay, the left side, yes, you play with Matarita. Matarita is good with the ball, yes. But his crosses are not good. The way he finished plays are not good. So you ended up being one-sided, right? And then yeah. if, you, if you surround... It's just around Tinnerholm with guys like Acevedo, we said without not much experience. And then Medina and, and, and Tajuri Trotti, where the, they were not at their level, it's, it's, it's on him. It's totally on him. And then he has to do all the way back to defend, right? So that's the whole thing with the team. The personnel is not there. I mean, you have 
some people here and there that are really doing really good things. But to play like this, at this level, you need a compact team that move in blocks, that attack with presence, and that defend with a lot of bodies. I mean, they miss they, they miss their, their, their two central uh, midfielders. I mean, you, you, this is where you see the value of a James Sands and, a, and an Alex Ring. Um, because you, you, you know that they would have been able to do other things to try to help Matarrita uh, if, if they had been there. They would have been, you, you could adjust a lot more. But then when you're, when you're going offensive and you're gambling to an extent because you're also very, very shorthanded on the bench. I mean, there's so many different players that are out. And so at some point you're going to have to, it's a gamble, right? So you, you, if you're putting Maxi at the six because you're trying to get uh, as much offense as you can, then you're sacrificing something defensively. And Acevedo defensively can't be all over the place. If the guys aren't holding up their end of the deal, and in this case, Matarita is being abused. So now where, where are you finding the help for Matarita? Is Gary Mackay Steven going to have to basically become a defender, you know, to, to help? So does that wind up? Uh, yes. Yeah, wingers, wingers, wingers have to wingers have to back tackle. Yeah, I mean Everybody. you recognize it and you come back. Yeah, or it's a or it's one of the holding midfielders moves out to be the second defender, or it's the central defender who moves out to be the second defender, and it's all based on the well. Callens all based to on the surroundings. I mean, w- w- one of the goals happened when Mat- when Callens came out to to help Matarita, and he and he wound up beating Matarita and Callens. I forgot if it was the second or the third goal. No, but I I watched that one back. Here's what happened: Matarita got beat. Okay, it was that floating ball over his head that he just completely mistimed. So Collins had to step and Matarita, instead of taking an angle of approach to, again, be a proper second defender, you don't go flat in. She chased the the play. Yeah, he chased the play in the ball instead of instead of angling his approach to become a second defender, where if Collins gets beat off the dribble, he can deny the service or whatever. It was just. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's ways you the ways there's way one, two defending is just that you don't just run two people at a player. One goes to pressure. The other covers. And that's the way you defend. I mean, it's and then and then you need and then you need, uh, you know, uh, you need to be aware of the game situations. I mean, Matarita at the minute 10 knew that Quiñones will show him the ball and do the tricks to get him in and then beat him on the speed. Come on, man. You just call someone and tell him, this guy is going to be a problem. You, I need help. From now on, I need yeah. help. This yeah. guy is going to be a problem. Or, or, if you want to, if you have that in you, be tough enough to step on the guy to make him feel that, okay, you're going to pass by me, but you're going to get out of this field with your ankle in your hand. Either I mean, way. Well, but we don't know if Matarita did something. ask for help, do we? I mean, we don't know if Matarita asked for help and if the team gave it to him. Well, not a chance. But also, I mean, the team's got to recognize it. I mean, on, on, that's on Ronnie as far as is it, if the guy's getting beat like a drum time right. and time and, and time again adjustments. down the right side, coach's got to make an adjustment there. That's on Ronnie. Because that goes against one point that you did, that you mentioned before, Roberto. You said NYCFC got, spo- got, got exposed last night. NYCFC was exposed the whole year. Every single game. Every, even winning they have the same issues. Yes, part of it's on the coach and the coaching stuff, but the big chunk of it is the personnel. Yeah. When you have so many issues right. with, with COVID, injuries, whatever, you need a personnel. So, John, it sounds like... Well, that goes, beyond, th- that goes beyond the technical staff. Right, but it sounds yes, like yes, John's no, thinking... Oh, go ahead, go ahead Tom. No, go no, I was going to say, it sounds like from your perspective, and we, we started to talk about all these holes, that they should be focusing on getting the number one priority would be another playmaker versus uh, a top level striker. Or am I misinterpreting what you're saying? It could be. I mean, yes. Either player in that area. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> first, first you need to replace Maxi because we know that, that you need to lower Maxi's uh, workload. He's yeah. not going to be able to play 26 games for you. So you need someone there. But but before closing the, the, the previous point, yes. I want to make another maxi not, point too. Not ha- yeah, not, not, not having the personnel, yes, of course, is a big chunk of responsibility of you know the front office and not in, 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 in the coach's hand. But 
we talk about this before, like halfway through the season. As a coach, you need to find games and moments to give everybody the chance to have experiences because when you need them, mm -hmm. they yeah, have yeah. zero experience for you. Yep. And, and that is, in, is on them, on the coaching stuff. And when you're talking about Acevedo, I thought he handled the, the situation pretty well. I mean, he played I, well. Yeah, he, he didn't. I didn't notice him. Uh, uh, th there was only one thing. The uh, who, who scored the goal? Fernandez. He he didn't track. He started tracking a runner in the area. I think it was the second. I think it was the Fernandez goal. And he and then he just stopped and he let him run to the front post. And then he just flicked that thing in with the back heel. But, um, you know, I you know, you, you look at these things and uh, but but for the most part, um, Hey, the the Maxi Medina point I wanted to make is, and this is one of those things. So re before we started recording, uh, I, I I said to Roberto, I said, but we sh maybe we were recording. I can't remember Roberto, but we had this this six hours since our post game live ended to absorb a little bit more and think a little bit more about it. I remember when Ronnie Dyla uh, felt that Jesus Medina would be an exceptional eight, or he saw him as an eight. A box to buy, you know, a guy that who he's put on the effort on the defensive side. So I was thinking, why not? Why was that not flip flopped? Why not have Maxi closer to the goal and let Medina do all that hard work? Maxi ended up having to run too much, period. To, if, you know that. So having him at that six and whether you you felt that he it would be this kind of six, it would be more in an attacking shape. We talked about that in the pregame. Uh, it, it, it really didn't work out that way. He was he was not close enough to the to the important parts of the field to 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 generate a, a, a quality attacking chances that he so often uh, give but but how about that flip-flopping those two maybe that would have been the better choice when you look uh, you know when you look back but that will be a different kind of of game plan glenn because when you have a guy like maxi playing on that number six role you don't want to create from him what you want to do i mean you don't want to build out from him you want to create with breaking lines with those passes from there, okay? So the main, yeah. point, the main point is having the ball, defending with the ball. Having a guy who can control the tempo and the ball in such a way is a way to defend. It's yeah. not a way to attack. It's a way to defend because if you have the ball, the rival doesn't have it, you're defending with the ball. And that's priority number one. Second... Right. He is going to like, be. Are, is, are you saying like like the Pirlo number six? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. You know? But you need the personnel. He's going to cross yeah. the ball. So he's going to find the little spots to break lines with right. his passes. He's not coming all the way up. No, he sprayed so some nice. He sprayed it. some nice balls out to Tinnerholm in particular. Yeah. Exactly because he was the reliable one. Yeah. How many balls he crossed to the left, and the ball went out. Mm. Either the player didn't go there, didn't stop the ball well, right? I mean, this is these are the reasons I would love to be in the back room, not to criticize, just to hear what everybody's thinking. You know, why? Why that way? And why not this way? Uh, what was Park's condition for real? Why not? A, a, uh, why not an adjustment at halftime? I mean, Gary McKay, Stephen, you know, I, I, it's hard to it, it's really hard to classify what contribution he's made to the team this year. It, it's uh, and, and he's played no, a no lot hard. of minutes, a it's lot no, of minutes. It's not hard. Well, it's not it's not hard. Okay. <laughs> it's maybe it's, it's maybe yeah, hard to say it because you don't want to you know you don't want to trash a guy, but hard to qualify his contribution. Well, he's been hard. ineffective, uh, you know, for his a guy that's minimal. His minimal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the you ineffective found, is the right you, word. You, it, it's not hard to find. I mean, his good games versus it's much easier actually to find his his games where he just didn't contribute much. That he wasn't a factor in the game. It wasn't that he was awful. But he wasn't. He wasn't great. He wasn't involved. He wasn't. Didn't seem to be part of it. It, it was almost like he he would drift in in and out. And maybe he worked hard defensively. And he's a hard worker. And no no problems with that. But when you look at the contributions that he had all year, he had one semi decent run of two games where he scored, and that he looked. More than the scoring, the goals, he looked involved. He was part of the offense and he was doing good things. But I mean, like last night, I mean, he had one of the better chances last night. They put him in basically on a breakaway and he fumbled the ball and he fumbled the ball between his feet and he was very easily dispossessed yeah, from behind. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but that, that was like an amazing chance. And you know that if Gignac gets gets that ball, it's in the back of the net within within a step and a half. That ball is fired and it's low and it's to the side where the goalie can't get it, and it's gonna be in the 
net. And meanwhile, he was basically tripping over the ball and he was uh, he was caught from behind. Well, that goes back to, you know, having the quality in that part of the field. And yes, Castellanos may be in a similar situation, could have buried that. Uh, but the setup to get that to Makai Steven when they were, you know, what an important moment. And, and for him not to be able to convert that, um, you know, that to me, the, the game ended right then. But you yeah, know what it, it reminded cool. me right of that moment? I just thought about this. You know, it, the pass isn't the same, but it's in a way similar. And, and that's Gio Reyna for Dortmund on Saturday. On Saturday, he got a ball. He got a ball over the top. That was much more difficult to handle. And he brought it down with his left foot, settled it, and within his next stride, hit it with the outside of the right foot and put that ball in the back of the net. And it was a much more difficult chance. Okay. And that's what you sort of expect to get from Gary Mackay Steven. You know, I mean, you know, we know that Gio Reyna is going to become an all-world player the way he's going right now, and hopefully he continues rising, okay? But that was a that was a play that out of nothing he created a goal. This was a play that a goal was half created for him that he turned into nothing. And that's frustrating to see, especially when you're playing teams of the level of Tigres. Adam, I mean, Adam, we do have We do have a couple of Twitter questions, too, but go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead with that. Uh, well, this is the one where which players are worth keeping and who needs to be moved on? Why can't we, we score that. a goal? What exactly is Ronnie's plan in the game and why is it failing? That came uh, from Doug Condon. So I think we, we actually covered all that. I, I've got some here that I got from on mine. And so hold plus, on. Plus, plus we did probably like a half show going. Yeah, go back player. to who, yeah, who, who who's we, staying. Yeah. Who's you have to go back. So, so, Doug, if you're listening, you've got to go back to it's either one or two episodes ago. Uh, where we uh, where we break down uh, who stays and who goes. John okay. initiated that. He had a lot of fun that he, day. Well, you know, we did talk about <laughs> last night, though, and it, it's uh, sort of off of that topic. Uh, and, we, and we did go through each player. But if you're looking to do whatever you can to improve the team, and we touched on this last night a little bit, John, but I'd love to get your thought. Is there anybody on the team right now that is completely untouchable? No. Not on the 11, not on the bench, not on the coaching stuff. There you have it, folks. And here, no disrespect to Barraza. This came from Lance Arroyo, but I don't think we would have conceded four goals with Johnson. And then we go right to John Rojas's point. He continues. How do we give subs meaningful minutes so that the team is not overly reliant on one player, especially during a pandemic? So that's a that's a fairly uh, significant question. Yeah. I disagree with his first his first assumption. You yeah. had two goalies in there, and they, that ball was nobody was stopping any of those attempts. They were no. Barraza had nothing to do with those yeah, well, no. clear yeah, chances. He you could have had Barraza, Sean but, Johnson, and Stuver in goal. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the thing he, you think about fine. it's true. But but you know, is it possible Johnson may have had the more organized at a particular moment? Uh, probably not. Maybe because it seemed like Barraza was. Uh, was a good communicator. I, I think he's a he's a. Uh, uh, I plus, think he's going to be a very good keeper. Uh, yeah, plus he's, he's, above, screaming, he's screaming both English and Spanish. You heard that during the broadcast. Ah, yes. So that helps a, a lot. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah a good point. Basically, you have Inchanot and Callis in front of you. I mean, Callis yeah. speak English, but he's helping. You know, all all the way around. I mean, if yeah. you didn't get it, this is in your language. Come on, move. But, but again, to, to the second point of the question, right, where he talks about giving subs meaningful minutes. And we saw that again last night. Ronnie went to his bench really, really late. But, you know, you got to be able to trust some of the younger kids. And, uh, you know, at that point, the game was pretty much lost. But you got to start trusting some of these younger kids to give you a chance. I mean, Acevedo got limited minutes throughout the year. Scally barely played throughout the year. I mean, you ran a lot of the starters ragged because you didn't really trust your bench all that much, uh, especially when you're considering that you're playing two games every single week, right? You're playing Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. And you've got to be able to play. So why is it that in Germany, okay, they can play 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds, and over here they can't seem to find minutes? I mean, it's insane. Why aren't they playing them more? I don't want to get into the comparison because for me it's absurd. But if you have the players in your hands, of course, we don't see what, you know, what the coaching staff see on a daily basis. But you know what you're getting out of Tony Rocha, right? If you give him 
three, four games as a substitute, why don't you give three, four to Juan Torres, for example, to Justin Hack, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Guys that can work on that system that can give you maybe the same things, but you can evaluate on competition. You know what you get out of, uh, out of, out of Goody? Basically nothing. Why are you give him so much time? Exactly. Of, you know, instead of other guys that can... Instead of a guy like Scally. The Scally exactly. thing is Scally a little... Moved. That's a little... Can he play? Just, it was just like he's a, he's a right-sided fullback. And to me, it's like, well, let's see him on the left a little bit. Uh, because, exactly. look, Matarita's best moments this year were when Matrita was in front of him. I mean, that's when he was at his best. And outside of that, I, I think, uh, I don't know what you guys thought, but uh, and I'm not just uh, looking at last night and saying, well, Matarita with a disaster defensively. I just thought he, he perform he's got to have somebody in front of him that uh, is really occupying people so that he has more room to operate and doesn't have to quite worry as much about counterattacks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's especially on the, on the uh, Latin American side of the game, there's a lot of criticism and, and backfire about uh, the rotations, right? But if something is really needed and is really a big tool in this league especially, is rotation. Because your roster is not exactly the same with your start 11, with the 11 players, the three DPs, and the bottom of the roster. So you need that bottom of the roster to get competition, to get minutes. You need that here. And if you set that uh, system, if you set that philosophy through, you know, to your team, everybody will understand, right, that at some point I'm coming out or I'm not starting, not because I'm not doing well, but because this guy needs the minutes that probably I won't have because I'm injured at the end of the season. And if you play in a system like MLS where you play playoffs, you yeah. understand that what you need is to qualify. So you have plenty of games to try along the way. Let, let, let me play devil's advocate here for one second. Okay. For one second, because I'm in, you know, that one. I'm fully in on being able to use more of your players, especially your young players and giving them a chance. Okay. How much did the start of the season, those first four losses and no goals wound up impacting all of that towards the end of the season where he must have felt I've got to go with my veterans and I've got to get as many points as possible here because either I'm not, either I'm not going to make the playoffs or I'm going to get seated really, really poorly. So how much do you guys think that that wound up affecting Ronnie's way of doing things and giving players rotations and minutes? You want to go, Glenn? Yeah, no, I think that's that's certainly impactful, not only to initially get into the playoffs, but then your placement in the playoffs so you don't have to travel if possible because of how uh, difficult this season has been. So does that impact you? Yeah, but I think it's also um, it, we, we might have seen the Ronnie Dyla DNA when he's got his uh, 11 boys. He's he doesn't. Uh, he didn't make a lot of adjustments. He, he, he wants them to play together as much as possible so they could develop this special relationship and rhythm. I, I'm just saying this is the way I see it. And then, you know, you, you put them out there, and then when they can no longer go, whether it's an injury or fitness, whatever it might be, uh, then you go to your next player. And that's the feeling I got is that he, uh, he had his 11, and sometimes one or two others just to, to uh, because the forward line was not always, uh, you know, there, there were guys true, there man. that were, but uh, I, I think he wasn't moving Sands and Keen Parks. Uh, we saw that. He had Alex Ring playing left wing, guys. That's true, and that's okay, Glenn. But the problem is that you had to adapt to, you know, whatever you are, and, and that's part of the philosophy of the club. And the philosophy of the coaching staff, they have to match. It's not just uh, a good coach fits everywhere or a good plan on a club is good for every single coach. I mean, uh, uh, those games that they lost at the beginning, I think they affected because, yes, you don't want to lose, right? But if you're yeah. the coach and you're thinking, my job is in danger here, I'm going to go with experienced guys to fix this. 
And if we start winning, period, that's my team. You need someone from the front office. You need that confidence from the front office and say, listen, this is a different, a different league. Okay. Our roster in us is not probably the kind of roster that you are used to when, when you're Best guy played 20 games and gets injured. You got a guy almost as good as him to replace him. So you need to keep building these guys that are coming up that you're not using because you're going to need them at some point. So relax. Don't worry about losing three or four or five. We need to qualify to the playoffs, but we need those guys to be ready when you need them. Right. And then in the other side of that coin, you flip that coin, you see coaches like Tata Martino who understood the league so well that from the first minute he said, I need to build the best roster I can. I need, he used an 11 and he was criticized because he did not move that 11 in the chunk of games, in, in the top of the competition. He went always with the same guys every three days, right? Then whenever he needs someone from the bench, that guy was quality and he won the league, right? Mm-hmm. And you yeah, need that. Yeah. Yeah. So you need the extension of, the your scouting department to bring those kind of players on a not a ton load of money or the philosophy to hold the process yeah and the guy here's the guy i mean dial is going to um you know there's a lot of heat on on maybe how he organized last night's game and different aspects of what we're talking about but here's a guy his first year in the league uh you know you're Jason Christ only lasted one year. I mean, you know, it's your first year in the league. You've got this job, which you, you feel will ultimately, you know, lead you to, you know, something else, whatever that might be. And uh, he's never said that, but I'm just assuming, you know, that uh, he's a young man and, you know, eventually he'd like to, uh, you know, keep moving in this profession. And you're trying to, and here's the one thing players don't buy in. This, this is players do not buy in unless there's results, ultimately. You have to have a result at some point, or you cannot get buy-in from your players. And there was a there was a time during the course of the season where they went, what, 11 games with just one, res- uh, one loss? And uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's fact or... Uh, or uh, but they were playing know. well, basically, yeah, we're was- to say, and winning. Well, uh, yeah, and and they were playing better. You know, I I still don't yeah. think they were playing to the to the level maybe that they were capable of, but they were getting results. You know, and uh, and you and you you could almost sense that the players were buying in at that time. So you have to ultimately at some point you have to get results, and you have to figure out how to do that because that's the way players work, man. I I think to to just kind of tie in to um what. Glenn, with you and uh, John had to say, going back to Roberto's question initially, I think, yes, that poor start probably, uh, probably it, it elevated the pressure to get results and to get things moving in the right direction. But because of how crazy this season is and knowing the number of teams that were getting in the playoffs, they had plenty of time to figure it out. Now, everybody was panicking after the first four games and you look at them and they're below the, the red line in the table. But a few weeks later, they're right back above the table and moving in the right direction. So to me, to John's point, they still had time to figure things out in terms of getting more guys minutes during the regular season to be ready for a playoff situation or a CONCACAF situation. And then going back to, Glenn, you, as we start to talk about individual players and Matza, I understand wanting to have your fullbacks be dynamic players that can go forward and create. And that that's great. <laughs> Having that players of that ability is, is all well and good. And you want that, but the most important thing is that they can defend. <laughs> that's the number one, that should be the number one thing. And I think, and when you think about a back line um, and there have just been so the many old times school, Tom Colker, you know, yeah, yeah, look, I, I love that bats can get forward and create opportunities <laughs> and that's awesome. But when he got exposed last night, the way he did that, that's that's a huge liability defensively, and I'm not saying every week you're going to go against a player at the level of Quinones. By the way, let how me do we ask get you a question. Guy? Let me ask you a question. Is that the first time Matarita has been exposed defensively? No. Well, this so know the player. If that's who he is, and that goes way back to what John said, you know, earlier, is that part of your plan has to be how are you going? And you know, Quinones is going to play on that right side. You, I, I, you've I'm certain they've scouted, you know, his every move, right, left, everything he can do. 
You need and a five by the way, his services, those the quality of his services were unbelievable last night. But anyway, uh, so, you know, you know, right off the bat, the guy is going to get beat before you even kick off. He's getting beat tonight. And that's, I, you know, because it's because there's a history of that against top wingers. There's a history. So I, I hear I hear every uh, everything in your uh, in your uh, deliberation there. Add something that is actually even worse for that in, in the preparation or the lack of a, on that side of the game. In your coaching staff, you have a Juan Juarez, Efraín Juarez, right? Yes. Yeah. Quinones is playing in Liga MX since 2013. So he should know with a five-minute clip, probably because he faced him too, yeah. the kind of player that Quinones is. You need yeah. a solution for that problem because at some point in the game, he's going to come out. John, if Colombia doesn't want that guy, can we get him kept tied to the U.S.? How do we do that? Yeah, he's Mexico, already played Mexico for was trying. He played it, once. Did, did he, he played once for Colombia. Yeah, only one game. That's yeah. insane. That, that guy he's can't 29 get a, years old. He, you know, he's, he's, run. Yeah, I mean, he's 29 years old. He was, so. he was actually he was actually on the roster for the for the uh, Copa America Centenario in the States. Yeah, but, but he was cut off before the tournament. Uh, he's played for a lot of teams in Mexico. He's played he's played for Pumas. He's played for Lobos, Boap, uh, Toluca. And um, he came to Tigres and uh, at the end of uh, 2018. So, but uh, yeah, he can, uh, he he had a great game. I don't know if every single game he plays, he plays at this level, mind you. Um, I mean, if he did, he'd be a starter for the Colombian national team. But uh, he had a very good game last night and it was, credit to him for playing as well. And then also his, he was he was almost know, like it, a, it, it was easier for him because of the way that New York defended. But, it, but I, again, back, back, back. He to, wasn't really. Did, did you see him as I mean, look, you could call him the man of the match. I think Gignac was the man of the match. I know. I know. Quinonez had his three assists and that we've already, you know, how, how brilliant they were and how he was having his way on the flank. But he wasn't, you know, if you take the 90 minutes, I mean, I uh, uh, to be honest with you, I noticed him when he beat Matarita and got the assist. I didn't notice him a, a whole lot more, but I might, I mean, need, might need to look back and, and, and see it more closely. No, I told you Gignac, that. But, 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 really... but he's effective when he needed to be, right? I mean, yeah, no. noticeable moments. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I just... Three great moments in the game. I, I know, told for you. 90 minutes, three great moments, you know, create goals. That's all I, I need. I told you guys at the beginning, he got What'd the you... ball in front of Matarita, the first play, and he said, it's fine. I'm going to do three things on this game, and we're going to win 3 nothing. And that's what he did. Three things. Period. That's what he did in the game. Three things. He killed Matarita three times. Period. But that's what you need from quality players. One, and you win one nothing. That's right. One, that's what you that's, need. That's, that's what, what you need. need. That's, that's what, what you need. You need. If and you then, get in on goal, finish, man. Get in on goal and finish. Right. And then when you go to NYCFC, which is actually the problem there, Quinones is the same type of player as Santiago Mosquera in FC Dallas or Michael Barrios, Michael Barrios in FC Dallas and, and talking Colombians. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. No. And then, yeah, but yeah, your point is, is well taken. Richie Larea is the same kind of players. And Get you on the 1v1, <laughs> hide the ball from you, and then I beat you on the speed. Period. Yeah. Great guys with the ball. And then a defender that is isolated or cannot read the, the play. So, John, after the game, Ronnie said uh, that uh, the club is willing to spend some money. Uh, Roberto oh. asked this question. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we have a lot of good players at a culture that's growing all the time. But, uh, yes, uh, when you play good teams like this, uh, you can uh, see the real quality and you can see we need to develop ourselves and bring in the right players to raise the standard for next season, we need to do something in the transfer market this window. So that's all from the... Uh, and, and let me add coach. something to that because, I mean, all those points are really uh, key, important. But if someone thought that NYCFC yesterday 
will win clearly over Tigres? Or someone thought that in 2020, even being a regular year, NYCFC should have, no could, should have been on the final of the CONCA Champions League? That person is a dreamer that doesn't know and recognize the game. Agreed. Period. Agreed. Period. It could happen. Yeah, it could. Right. In the game, you know, everything can happen. Actually, Tigres was two seconds away from being eliminated before playing NYCFC, remember? Guzman. Guzman, the goalkeeper. Yeah, well, well, Guzman, well. exactly. So in the yeah. game, everything can happen. But when you look at the roster, when you look at the experience of your players, when you look at the way you play in uh, your schedule, NYCSC was not built to be on any kind of final. Got any more questions from the uh, from the listeners, uh, Roberto? You said uh, you had some. Was. Hold on. I've, uh, I, I've lost uh, where that is now. And uh, so, you know, I think the... The postmortem, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, nearly uh, complete here. And now it's the next stage and uh, it's building the roster some more. What do you got, Roberto? Okay, so Giovanni Trombetta, who's a big fan and he's uh, he's always uh, talking about NYC and uh, frustrated by NYC a lot, uh, said, why are people only now realizing three whole years later after the game, after the same core of flops lost 4-1 to the crew in the 2017 playoffs, that a liquidation is needed? It wasn't obvious these bums never had the tenacity and grit to be champs at any capacity. Start holding the club to the fire. It's basically what I just said, you know, without, without some strong words but <laughs> but, but it's but, but I, I totally agree i mean and then i just want to put out on 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 the on the air force side of things you don't want to you don't want to judge people and saying he didn't want to he didn't give everything because that's not okay you don't know you're not in that body in that mind right but if nycc will have people that work as hard as static castellanos you have four of those up front. Mm-hmm. You may create one or two clear-cut chances to score, and you may score it. Because the world is so much, they you know, put in your body on the line, running up to the last line. So if you don't have a guy that can put the ball in the back of the net from whatever he wants, then you need the effort from everybody because one effort is not enough, you know? So you see Makai Steven that is basically nonchalant walking around. You have Tajuri Shradi that is like on and off. You have Medina that is on and off, right? So how the heck are you going to push things knowing that you don't have enough tools with effort? Well, that's competition. That's uh, getting players in who can compete and, uh, and increase the level. That's what, I, Every coach that's been at New York City FC has uh, talked about how uh, training impacts uh, the eleven and game day, and uh, you know. So you're yeah, so you're David Lee and you're Ronnie Dilo. What's the first thing on the list? Well, I think the first I, one thing we need to do, and I do want to do it. Um, and I am, uh, you know, I'm already, you know, I'm I'm trying to get David Lee um, uh, for an interview just to review some things. I, you know, to be honest, I I uh, asked to talk to David uh, all season, and and it didn't happen. Um, and I, I, that's not saying that, you know, I, I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, maybe it's just a, it's a time they didn't want to address things. They addressed some specific things in the athletic once. I think he spoke to the yes network once and that's where we, you know, where he said pretty much like, yeah, you know, our, our focus is on the attacking side of things, but John Rojas, our uh, friend here on soccer in the city, uh, developed, you know, he put a lot of effort into looking at, uh, the players, acquired by New York City FC over the years and for us to 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 see where they ended up and how they impacted the program. And I think that's a fair that's a fair evaluation that we could do, uh, you know, as this uh, offseason now officially starts. So I would uh, encourage us to um, 
John, you did you text that to us? I can't remember now. I think you put that in a text, right? Uh, I think I put it on the test and I'm not sure if I tweeted too. I don't remember. Yeah, but, so I, we, but we, I have it. I have it around. We the should look at that. that. And Roberto, I don't know how you, I, you you tend to know all the salaries. So I don't know if we can uh, compare all that. And I, I know some of that's available uh, through the uh, Players Association. I guess this year we don't know what people made, right? No, no they made official. Uh, they would they would not release anything this year. Mm, yeah, yeah, they they didn't. So and that's we, we don't know thing. what the, I mean, we don't know what the contracts are. There might be there there might be some information out there. I mean, I found some the other day, but uh, did you guys know what a for, did you guys know what a force official. majeure was until uh, about a year ago? I, I didn't know. Yes. What a, I, yeah. I had never heard. All right, I'm just asking. I didn't. It's, it's, it's just a technical in any kind of contract. You can have that technical or clause in any contract, not just a CBA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You no. know that. The, oh, okay. thing, the thing with that, Maybe I haven't signed uh, enough contracts. That, that's obvious. I, I don't know. If <laughs> Rutgers never exercised it. It was in your yeah. Contract. There was no. Yeah, we're, maybe I had that force majeure. I don't know. But only Rutgers had it. You didn't have it. I don't know. We yeah. had some disastrous games. I guess it doesn't get to, you know uh, ignited at that point. But anyway, go ahead. you recruit the you recruit the players and throw them to the office. That's why. <laughs> I, I I I know that Don Garber has that in his back pocket and all that. But if you look at the the way that the players reacted to the last round of negotiations and some of the things that the league was trying to do, there was a really sour taste in their mouth coming out. They came out with an agreement, but they they weren't happy. They weren't happy at all. And with the process more than with the what whatever was written and how MLS came to the bargaining table and their tactics at the bargaining table. It left a really bad taste in the mouth of the, of the players association and the players. And I think that if he applies it in the next round that they're going to talk about, uh, it, it could get really, really ugly. Well, Bob and, Foose uh, already said it. Well, Bob Foose is the executive director of the players association. And he was quoted as saying that. <clears throat> it, it, he basically said it would uh, be very, very, very. I think he used three varies risky. So he's, you know, he's telling you what's going to happen. Because yeah, I mean, but because it's more than risky. It's more, it's more like, look, you, you want your plan. I understand, you know, labor negotiations sometimes can be difficult. All right. Um, but as soccer is growing and the league is growing and everything else, I, it, it's better when everybody pushes together. And when you have a confrontational relationship between ownership and labor, when labor also has other options, i.e. the rest of the bloody world, okay, then, you know, you, you hope that, that they find a way to be able to come to an agreement without it being hateful on both sides. If you understand what I'm trying to say. Well, we don't know exactly what happened, but the unfortunate right. part here is they had the smoothest negotiation in the history of the MLSPA when they signed the, the CBA before the pandemic. Uh, it was never ratified. So that's where they got back to the table and, and made the adjustment. Now they're talking about getting back to the table and making another adjustment. And, uh, and point, pardon? That's the point. Yeah. In the eyes of the Players Association, they should not be another negotiating table right period right. right so there's no need of anything no but just uh, and i, I think mean, i'd feel the same way if i were a player or or totally or them you know exactly i mean we can sit down and agree when we're going to start the season which is different but not in terms of labor and contracts yeah well that's uh that's going to be coming up uh, shortly as well once the new year hits. And uh, CONCACAF Champions League 2021. Uh, we know that Atlanta United, by winning the U.S. Open Cup in 2019, will be participating again. That was, uh, that was released earlier this week. And then Atlanta's trying to make up a 3-0 deficit tonight. I believe this will get published. We're recording this Wednesday morning. I think it'll be published prior to the 8 p.m. kickoff. Uh, everything at Exploria Stadium, all these CONCACAF Champions League uh, quarterfinals. Uh, yep, or Orlando, uh, rather Atlanta Club America, and then uh, LAFC uh, Cruz Azul in, in the one-off. Uh, after that, so that that could be a fun game. I'm going to stay up and watch that one. If I, can, I now I'm used to staying up late, so I'll see if I can. Uh, <laughs> well, the, <laughs> another ten thirty kickoff. The the game that basically, I mean, MLS's survival in this tournament hinges on is probably LAFC and Cruz Azul. 
which is yeah. right afterwards. So um, we will uh, see. It's going to be uh, another uh, another night of uh, ML- I guess it's on um, Fox uh, Fox Sports it, it says Two. Here, it FS2 says FS again. Two. Yeah, both games on FS Two. And then to the end in Spanish. ESPN play for me. Yes, right. uh, and ESPN. In, in Colombia. <laughs> John, or, you get all the games there. You get you get to see everything through ESPN play. Yes. Wow. Play what? I've never e- heard of that. ESPN play, which is the the streaming the, platform of ESPN. In Latin because America. in South America, because in ah, the okay. South America, ESPN has the rights for. Uh, is it is it four ninety nine or five ninety nine a month? Just like we pay for plus. Uh, no? It comes with your cable system. Uh, it depends if your cable. Oh, okay. If your cable system subscribe has ESPN. Uh, then most of them, but not all of them, <laughs> allows you to be able to stream ESPN play. I used to work there. The I know this stuff. Glenn, Glenn, they have an easier time in South America getting the Yes Network than you do in New Jersey. Yes, <laughs> that's all you that's need that's to know. <laughs> I have so many paywalls now. I, you know, but everything seems to be working. Like I can do. I got my uh, Premiere. I've got my CBS. I've got my. Uh, uh, MLS, I've got my, I don't know, what else is there? Uh, and then all the uh, Fox, I've got my Fox, I've got, uh, what else do I need? I got my Netflix, NBC Sports, Netflix. Uh, oh, Netflix, absolutely. HBO Hulu. Max, Hulu. Amazon Prime. Amazon Just finished Prime. up Mr. Robot. I, I'm telling you, I, I do highly recommend Mr. Robot. It's Peacock. Bit, yeah, that's, yeah, Peacock. And Peacock. Another, that's I have another, Peacock. Another. Yeah, I meant, I, John, I, I have a question that. for you. I have uh-huh. a question for you with your uh-huh. with your cable system that you have there in the outsides of Medellin. Do they have NFL network on your uh, system? Uh, it's not in the package. It's a different package. Oh, but they but it does exist. It, it does yes. in a different package. Yes, it's a different package. Oh, that's good to know. All right. Shout out to your friends on your next broadcast, Roberto. I will. What do you call? Well, I'm, I have a game on Saturday. So, uh, yes, the Denver Broncos and the Buffalo Bills at four thirty. On NFL I'm sorry, I'm, I just won't be watching. I, 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 yes, you can, Roberto, go watch, you, you can go I'm watch very proud. Jets. I'm very proud of you as, as a friend and a colleague that uh, you do these things, but th- I just can't. I can't do it. Right. John, well, uh, John, for the re- <laughs> by the way, John knew that NFL Network was on that other tier, and he canceled it. He made sure yeah. that he was one tier below. He enacted his so it wouldn't sure. come in. He doesn't want to know anything about any other sport outside of soccer, which is fine. First- First, that's not true. And second, you did not ask the right question. You asked if that was in the same package. I said it's a different package. I didn't say it if I had that package or not. Well, well you, you implied that you didn't. Why? You I said it's wrongly implied that you didn't. I and I would think that you would be transparent and tell me that you did. Yeah. Tom, wrap this thing up, please. All right. Well, we already started with Roberto. So let's go back to Roberto uh, doing the game Saturday. Where else can people follow you? All right. So, yes, yeah, so I'll be on NFL Network. It'll be on SAP. Uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Bills are playing very, very well. It should be a lot of fun. So uh, they can uh, watch that game. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Abramowitz. You can follow me on Facebook at Roberto Abramowitz Oficial, 1F, because that's in Spanish. And on my Instagram at Roberto Abramowitz. So uh, follow me there. All right, Glenn Crooks. Well, we're going to uh, we've retweeted out our post game live. I think, uh, you know, hopefully it's something that we will become part of the uh, NYC fabric. Uh, we did a pregame live and a postgame live uh, ahead of and, and after the uh, the four nil loss to Tigris. But you go on my Twitter at Glenn Crooks. You can see it there also on uh, YouTube and Facebook and uh yeah, listen, I mean, if you're if there are any coaches in the audience and you have Sirius XMFC, you're not going to want to miss uh, tonight's 7 p.m. show you know, right ahead of the CONCACAF Champions League game, Atlanta and Club America. Uh, Doug Lemoff uh, and uh, Todd Bean are my guests. These guys are great educators in coaching and uh, really enjoyed my conversations with them. Thank you very much. Okay, John Rojas. So people can follow me on J Rojas eight seven five. That's on Twitter. Hopefully, uh, uh, it's there on the screen. Whatever uh, chunks of video that Glenn can put out. Yes. And uh, I'm not being that active, even though I'm watching everything. But uh, during the days, I'm not that active right now. 
Oh, yeah, enjoy, enjoy enjoy I'll call you, John. I'll call you. Yeah, I'll call you. I know you're you're out there in paradise. Uh, you know, look at look at this background. Yeah, when I play the clip, everybody, you got to see John's background. The birds are chirping. He's in his garden uh, at his home, down the outskirts of Medellin, Colombia. That's great, man. I I need I, I need to get a country house. I've decided in 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 South America. Oh, well, I was gonna say you live in the you have a country house. It's where you live. You're in no, the I'm not, you're I'm in, not the, in the country. You're in the boonies of Jersey. Oh my god! I'm in East Brunswick. It's not. Uh, it's, it's not the country <laughs> for, for, for New York City. That's the boonies of Jersey. Yeah, and that's true. Uh, um, just a, w- w- one quick piece of news. So uh, we didn't get to talk about MLS Cup, but uh, congratulations, Columbus Crew, and uh, on Fox it drew uh, one million seventy-one thousand, which is the third most on English television since two thousand ten. That was up thirty percent over two thousand nineteen, and that doesn't include the Unimas and to the N numbers or the streaming numbers for when you say, Fox. When you, so say third most, good... when you say third most, what do you mean? Third most? Uh, what? It's the third highest rated MLS Cup since two thousand ten, and thirty percent above what they got last year. Okay, so it was a it's a very, very uh, good number. So Columbus got a great eight point two rating and a 16 share Seattle, eight point one rating and a 17 share. So uh, they did uh, very, very well. Those are good television numbers all throughout the playoffs. The TV numbers for MLS were up considerably over 2019. And if we take that into the context of where every other sport has been hemorrhaging television viewers, I mean, I know NYC, I mean, NYC, I know MLS has a, a small percentage of what everybody else has, but the context is that it increased and that's uh, it's trending in a positive way when everybody else is trending the other way. So that's actually pretty good news for MLS. Maybe the players could use that if they're forced back to the negotiating yeah. table. Yeah. Well, Hopefully the contract can... ends after next year. So yeah, and they're, and they're getting a piece of it. So uh, that yeah. was in the first uh, CBA, but that was never ratified. I assume that's going to stick too. All All right. Right, well, I'm putting a force majeure on this episode. All right. For Glenn, Roberto, and John, I'm Tom. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City.